Yo, what's happening runners? Welcome back to another episode of The Running Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about everything running, the highs, the lows, the ugly bits and everything in between. My name is Lloyd, I'll be your host for today's episode and today I'm sitting down and talking with professional 800 metre athlete and Commonwealth Games bronze medalist Ben Patterson. Now on today's show we sit down with Ben and we run through everything from his journey into athletics, we talk about that bronze medal at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham last year and we get an insight into the final preparations ahead of this year's World Championships in Budapest. Now if you do want to follow along with what we're doing at Trackster and this podcast please do head over to Instagram and drop us a follow and please also check out our website trackster.com that's where we put all of our longer form content from our YouTube channel and finally to support this show please do leave us a review which is now available on all platforms. So without further ado welcome to the show. Ben Patterson. Hello, mate. How are we doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks, mate. How are you? I'm all right, man. I'm all right. That was a little bit of an upbeat start. You seem a little bit low-key. Low You're probably all in zen in training camp right now, yeah? Yeah, it's been a heavy week. It's been one of the, one of the biggest weeks I've had in a while just because I've had like no races to kind of hold back for. So it's, it's been nice, actually, to get a proper block in. But yeah, definitely, definitely a bit tired from it. Where are you right now in the world? Uh, Samaritz. Okay, and is that is it your first time out there, or is it? Have you been there before? No, so I came in May as well with um, British Athletics. So yeah, second time here. We've had a few guests on the show uh, over the, over the past few months that have been to Samaritz and stuff, and I always hear such great things. Is it is it a favourable place for you as well? Yeah, I think it's definitely my favourite place. Like it is expensive for like the food and stuff, but. The scenery, the runs, just so good, and the fact you can drop down—it's an hour drive down to a track that's 300 meters, so you don't have to do everything up at altitude, which is quite good for someone like me, who's an eight guy who doesn't want to do too much up high. Yeah, I've heard about the, the prices of, of stuff. Um, we had Philly Bowden on the show, and she said something about a pack of chicken, which was which was crazy expensive. What's the most extortionate thing you've bought out there? So in May we went went for a meal with the boys and I got a start of calamari and it was about thirty quid. And then a, the burger was about thirty quid as well. So yeah. Have a day off. That's 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 unreal that is. <laughs> Christ alive. Was it worth it? No, nah, not really. The burger was good. The calamari was a bit a bit greasy for my liking, but <laughs> had, had to eat it all because I paid thirty quid, so yeah, literally, mate. You can't be leaving any crumbs. But uh, now, I appreciate your time to come on the show today, Ben. It's been um, it's been such an exciting season for you so far. I feel like I feel like this, at this point of the year, um, I always think, bloody hell, the track season's flown by and we're coming to an end. But for you, it started months ago. You've had a really big year so far. You've won a lot of races. You've you've run a personal best this season as well, and you've obviously qualified for the World Championships in Budapest. We're going to talk about a whole host of topics today, but when we talk about your season to this point, is there a highlight moment that you look back at and you think that was my favourite moment of the year? Um, it's got to be London, without a doubt. Just running in front of 50,000 people, like obviously home crowd. Um, and for me, going into that race, it was make or break. If I didn't run the time, I wasn't going to World Champs. If I did, it was, it was as simple as that. So it's kind of the race I've I've got in the zone the most for, and I was, yeah, I was I was very up for it, and 
just crossing the crossing the line was such a relief, and to see that Max had also done it as well was such a nice feeling. You mentioned that because we chatted uh, straight after that race. You, you ran one forty four zero two. Is that right? Yeah. So new personal best and uh, second on the day, um, just literally just uh, behind Max Bergen. But you mentioned there about the fifty thousand people in the stadium. For people that may not be quite aware that are listening to this, 50k as we know it in a stadium for athletics is, is insane. What do you think the most amount of people you've run in front of before has been? Obviously, you've got Com Games at Birmingham. What was what do you reckon that was? I think that was about 30,000. Europeans was about 50 as well, but there wasn't as many in the stadium for my race, I think. But when the Germans won the relay, they, they ran like some record. The, the sound at Europeans was crazy, obviously, with it being in Germany. That was crazy. But yeah, London's definitely definitely the biggest crowd I've ran in front of, which was nice. And you said, Ben, going into that race, it was, it was a make-or-break situation. You had to run well. You had to run the time, else you weren't going. You add that onto the fact that it's London Diamond League in that stadium, 50,000. Did you feel any more pressure, or was you able to handle it quite well? Um... I think I handled it quite well. Um, obviously, I just went into the race thinking I'm in the shape. Like I've, like you, like you mentioned, I've won a lot of races, and winning races always suggests you're in better shape than the time you're running. I've beaten good athletes who have ran quicker than what the standard was, so I knew I had it in me. But it was just sort of about committing that first 200, making sure I, I set off at the right pace, and then I knew I'd be able to hold it. And in terms of winning races, Ben, because I remember when the, when the season kicked off, I mean, for a very long time, you was unbeaten. You was just winning, winning, winning. And, they, and I've heard this saying before that winning becomes a habit. Did you get a sense of that through the early part of the season where you were winning consistently? Was there ever a feeling going into races where it was like, I literally am unbeatable here? Um, no, because the way I was racing these races, I was, I was running them tactically very badly. So I knew that against a good field that I would get exposed. And if I had an off day, it would happen, which did happen in Ostrava. I came ninth and I think I haven't finished ninth in a race since I was about 10. So that was a bit of a hit back to reality of, right, okay, I've been doing well in these races, but I need to start running them properly rather than just relying on that last hundred, getting myself out of trouble, which was a good wake up call, I think. So, Ben, we're going to touch on your season this year and what we've got coming up for you is obviously with World Champs uh, a little bit later in this conversation. But we always start with our guests right at the start. It's a bit cliche for podcasts, but I have a look at your Para 10, um, as I do with all of our guests. And you've, you've been in the game a very long time. You've got a lot of skin in the game for a 21-year-old. And we're going to touch on a couple more specifics of your early years for Basingstoke a little bit later. But... For anyone that's listening that maybe isn't aware of your journey to this point and they just know you as this super fast 144 man now, where did it all start for you for athletics? Um, so it all started really with like the local sports day at my school. Um, I did the sprint race. Like, I wasn't really expected to win it and I, and I won quite comfortably, which I was always one of the quicker guys in the football team and it kind of just made me think, oh, okay, maybe maybe there's something to this. So I spoke to my parents and they sort of looked into the local athletics clubs and they were like, okay, we'll go down to Basingstoke, see what it's like. And then my first two weeks there, we were lucky enough to, first week we did long jump training. And then the second week we were on the track and I thought, oh, this is great. I'll, I'll come and do this every week. 
little did I know that back then the Basingstoke kids group were on the track about once every three months. I just got very lucky. So once I'd kind of committed in my head, then it was the long slog of running around the grass, getting all the all the hard hard miles in. Um, but yeah, then I did my first competition and ended up winning winning a race. I won the heat for the 75 metres. And my parents said if I won the heat that they'd buy me a pair of spikes there. So then, because I was just running in AstroTurfs. Yeah. Then they got me the spikes. And then I, I think the first time running in them was in the final, which was probably not very smart. But I managed to win that and I ran a pretty quick time. So I think from then on, it's just sort of been about slowly progressing and sort of almost holding myself back so I don't do too much too young. I mean, I still achieved quite a lot as a younger athlete and I'm still young, but I've always been one of those athletes that looks at the bigger picture and I've not sort of been the guy that's been winning age group races at all. I've always been meddling top four quite consistently near the top and I think that's almost been... It's been frustrating at times coming coming forth in races is obviously not ideal, but it's been good to sort of slowly progress up up the age groups now for my first senior worlds is it's kind of kind of crazy to me to think about when I think about how long ago I first turned up to Basingstoke not knowing anything about athletics. So having a look at your para 10, Ben, it goes all the way back to 2012, which was obviously a mad year for Great Britain, but also a crazy year for track and field. I remember 2012 at my local athletics club. Um, I remember going down there in 2011 and there was barely any juniors. And then the 2012 games came around and all these kids just rocked up and it was just insane. Um, But you mentioned there about doing your sprints races and having a look at your para 10 is in front of me right now. You've been doing sprints for quite, quite some time. And if we think that we're in 2023 now, but just five years ago, <laughs> it makes me laugh. Five years ago, you was doing 100s, 200s. You did 100 in sub 11 seconds in the British League and still bashing out your 400s and your 800s. But I can see a little bit of, um, you're a bit of a Michael Essien, mate. You was doing a bit of everything. You was doing a bit of javelin. <laughs> you was doing a bit of long jump, even a bit of cross country. Was that just the fact that you just, you weren't quite sure what you was best at or did you just love having a crack at everything? I think um, when I was younger, I just like wanted to try everything. I always thought I was a sprinter. And then the quad kids sort of lay out. You'd do four events and then the 600 was at the end. And everyone would sort of kind of like, back then, 600 was so far. Everyone used to hate it. But I used to think, oh, it's, it's quite nice. Like my first ever one, I won it and I ran like sub two minutes. I remember thinking, oh, that's pretty good. Maybe I'm not just a sprinter. But then like, like you mentioned, I ran sub 11 and sub 22 under 17s which was a conscious decision um to move down from 800s down to 400s for the age group of under 17s just because i didn't want to do the mileage i would have to do to be at the top of the 800 game um which was a smart decision i think now because my body is in a very good place i've not i'm not carrying a lot of injuries or anything um so yeah, that was a conscious decision. I always knew I'd move back up to 800 eventually. Um, I don't think a lot of people would believe me because I was one of the best 400 meter runners in the country for my age. Um, I went to European Youths for 400 where I actually shared a room with Max Bergen um, back when we were four and eight runners. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of weird that 
I was doing all that thinking, okay, next year I'm moving events. Because I think a lot of people in my position would have thought, oh, I'm doing well here, I'll stay stay as a sprinter. But I always knew long term I'd be more suited to the 800. And in terms of, you said that your body's in a great place now um, because you may be doing less mileage in, in those years that other 800, 1500 meter runners may have been doing. I've just noticed here, um, you when you step back up to 800, that was 2019, um, ran well over the 800. The following year, in 2020, it looks like you barely raced at all other than a couple of cross-country races. What, what was the story there? Yeah, so I had a, um, a heart problem. It was called Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome. It kind of means I had an extra connection, extra pathway in my heart. So sometimes I'd be training and my heart rate would go up to like 250 on like an easy run and stuff like that. I'd, I'd always, I was born with it and I went to the doctors about it when I was like 10 or 11, but they couldn't like find out what it was. It was only when I, I bought a heart rate monitor actually because I was planning on going altitude training. And that's when it kind of, I was doing, I remember I was, at, I was at the club doing some K reps, probably running about 310 for the K. And my heart rate was like 245. And I was thinking, oh, great, I've bought this heart rate monitor and it's broken. <laughs> but then it kept happening. So, yeah, um, I had to have a, an ablation, which kind of burnt off the extra part of my heart. Um, so, yeah, that, that was tough, but it kind of, kind of fell into the right year of it being COVID year because there weren't any big competitions on that year anyway. So it was almost perfect, but it wasn't planned that way at all. What was the sort of rehab process behind that or recovery period? Um, so when I, when I found out, they said, you have to stop all exercise straight away. Can't do anything. You can walk and that's it. And this was like lockdown. So I was kind of going a bit crazy, like smashing out FIFA, Warzone, all that. And then like going Grinding. for a walk, just like trying to trying to stay not stay fit, just trying to not lose too much. But then after the operation, because they went in through my groin, I had to be very careful with the running movements and stuff. Um, so it kept, kind of took me a couple of weeks to get back running, and then sort of slowly built to for a couple of months, and then I, I moved to Loughborough, which was good, which was a good place for me because I could just then get on the back of the group and slowly work my way up. But yeah, I think I tried to push it a bit too soon, too early, because I remember my coach sort of saying, right, these runs are quicker than what you would be doing when you're fully fit. So let's sort of just slow it down here. Like, so yeah, it was, it was a weird one, but definitely, definitely worth getting it sorted. Yeah, definitely. I, d- I never knew that about you, which is amazing. And we've had, in the past five years, you know, we've seen so many um, instances, especially on the football pitch, which which is such a spotlight sport with uh, Fabrice Marambo and Christian Eriksen. And even I've had friends that have, um, I've got two friends in the running world that didn't know they had problems with their heart. You know, one one fellow, he had two holes in his heart, another had a hole in his heart, and they just found out by not feeling quite right one day and then getting it checked. So I think it's, um, yeah, 100% great that you picked up on that um and, and quite good news that you bought that heart rate monitor in the end yeah it's it's probably been my best investment that's for sure so in terms of the 800s itself then because um you know you had success at the sprints and the 400 but was there anything within the event that inspired you to to do the 800 was there an athlete that you liked the look of or did you see it on tv or what, what's the story behind why you wanted to do two laps of the track i mean i just 
I found 400s quite boring because you were kind of just running against yourself. Like you wouldn't know where you were in the race until the last 100 metres when it all evened out, which I found quite annoying. But definitely growing up watching David Radisha run, I mean, not back then, not many world records were ran. So for him to front run it at the Olympics, having rounds in his legs, that was obviously very inspiring. And just how he used to attack races was made me think, oh, that that's the event I want to do. Radisha, obviously 2012, the year where you're really just getting stuck into the sport and having a crack at it. And, and what, a, like I say, what a year to, to get inspired. But how fast do you reckon he'd go in today's spikes? Depends which brand. Adidas, I reckon, one thirty-four or something. But Jesus Christ, that's the right answer, yeah, isn't it? But I reckon he'd go, he'd go sub sub a hundred seconds, which is a massive barrier. Because um, you got to remember, he did that, he did that in in the Olympics where he had rounds. He didn't have a pacemaker. But then again, we now know that track is quick. So. Mm. Wow. Yeah. One day. One day. Hopefully, we'll see. We'll see Ben Patterson going through. Going through six hundred in. What did he go for in? I don't know. Probably about one thirteen. Something mental. Something yeah, silly. Something crazy. So let's talk about your training, Ben. Um, I want to understand what your training looks like now, complete compared to maybe what you previously did with the sprint training and the four hundred meters. But I also want to understand how it differs to other events and. You may not have done much, probably barely any, you know, like sort of 1,500 metre and long, long distance work. But being from Loughborough University, you would have been in and around distance runners. So how does your training regime differ slightly maybe from other events? Um, it's funny you say that because I say I train more like a 15 guy, okay. especially in the winter because I've had the background of the sprint. So I have got that natural speed. So I need to work on getting to... 600 and then being able to kick I know I've always got that kick it's just how fatigued I'll be at 600 really um but yeah my, my standard training week sort of Monday Wednesday easy runs Tuesday will either be a track or a grass Thursday tempos is something I've got into since coming to Loughborough I didn't have a clue what they were or how they worked before that so I feel like they're very beneficial to me and then Saturday again will be grass or track. And then Sunday, long run, normally about an hour. Um, and I try to gym three times a week in the winter. And then top that all up with a bit of cross training, whether that's elliptical, on the bike. I, I do a bit of rowing as well. Um, swimming, I'd like to, I, I, I think it's very good for you, but I struggle to fit it in. So I think this winter, that's something I want to get into a bit more of. And in terms of um, the key aspects that you're focusing on to improve your performance in the A hundred, that that would have been a, probably would have been a different answer as you've gone through the years. But now looking at where you are in the sport, you're world class. You know you're looking to medal at major championships now. What are you and your coach working on within your event to to improve on? I think it's just sort of the consistency. I used to be. Maybe three, four years ago, I used to be a very bad trainer. I used to not be able to run anywhere near the like the times I would, I should have been running. So I remember the week before I ran a one forty six, which was a two second PB. I did like, I was the session was six hundred, four hundred, three hundred, two hundred, 
and I did the six in like 126 and then I ran like a 56 400 and then my coach had to pull me out I was flat out and then a week later I go and run 146 which just doesn't add up that don't make sense no it is I met my coach was just like I don't know how you've done that off off how you've been training but I think I think the, the main thing that I'm looking to improve in is the consistency week in week out getting the sessions to slowly improve rather than one session being really good, the next session being bad. Obviously, you need to have those sessions where things don't go right, where you do struggle, because if not, you're not pushing yourself enough. So I think that's definitely the key to to running is having having months on end of consistent training. In terms of consistent training, Ben, now that you're a professional athlete, your lifestyle you know, it might have slightly changed or, or maybe not, but you're a professional athlete now, so your job is to, to run as fast as possible when you toe the line. But what are the challenges that you face that stop you from being consistent in your life? Is it injuries? Is it illness? Is it the mental side of things? What is it? What are those roadblocks that you have to try and get around? Yeah, so this year I had my first injury, which kept me out for like four months of winter. I hadn't done my first proper run until January. Um, which is something I think I've struggled quite quite a bit with mentally, just because I'm I've been going into races. I mean, I've been no matter what my training's been saying, I've been running quicker times in training. But then in the back of my head, I'm always like, oh, I've missed all that work. Like I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be winning these races. So it's it's kind of weird on the start line. I've been almost a bit negative, just sort of thinking oh, is this the race where I'm going to get exposed? But I think I've, I've worked through that quite well this year now that obviously I've ran a PB, I've qualified for Worlds. I, it's, it's managed to convince myself that I have actually put in the work to be where I'm at. Um, but it's just weird because that was my first kind of injury, so I haven't really experienced missing a whole winter before. But also I've had university, which has been a bit... And not, not annoying. It's something I chose to do. But when I've been like at the end of last year, because I got a lot of my exams moved because Loughborough were quite good with all of that, I missed out on running the qualifying time for this year because I was doing I had six exams in nine days at the end of at the end of last year, and that was off the back of commies and Euros. So it's little things like that which going forward I've just graduated that I think will help me a lot to just getting all the little 1% that do make a big difference. In terms of your university, uh, you just graduated from your degree, undergraduate yeah. degree. What did yeah, you study? Business analytics. What was the decision behind choosing that as your degree? Have you always had a bit of a passion for business? Um, so at A-level, I did maths, economics and PE. I was a lot better at the PE side of things um, and I did enjoy it a lot more, but... I kind of thought if I do make a career in running, that's going to be a lot of sport on my mind and I kind of want to break. And if I go to a job interview, I'll be able to talk about my running to kind of cover the sports side of things. Whereas if I get my degree in, in business and specifically business analytics, I think especially in the future, that's going to be a market that's very open and I can sort of branch out onto all different things, whether that is, in the sport side of things or just completely away from sport yeah that's cool man i think that's really mature to 
have more strings to your bow. So many athletes go to uni and just put all their eggs into their running basket and then it's like, oh shit, well, I've got to do my exams. Yeah. <laughs> okay, mate. So Commonwealth Games, Home Com Games, Birmingham, new stadium, 2022 last season. I'll, you know, for anyone who hasn't seen it, I'll spoil it. You won a bronze medal in the 800 metres. Walk us through that race and your feelings walking out to the stadium in the final. Walking out, it was weird. I was, I was thinking in my head, this is where I did English schools. How, <laughs> how do I suddenly, how is it suddenly like the Commonwealth Games? It, it was weird, but for the heats, I was, I was very nervous. I'm not one of those athletes that gets very nervous. But that was one of those things because the warm-up warm up track is right next to the stadium and it's quite an open stadium, so you can kind of sort of see in and seeing like 30,000 people there. And I'm thinking a lot of those people are there as, as the home athlete. They're going to be supporting me. So I got very nervous for the heats. And then when I got through the heats, I was just all eyes on getting a medal. And then when I was walking out, I just sort of thought, I've got to use this crowd to my advantage. They're, they're here to support me. And obviously the other the other home athletes. So I was just sort of giving it to the fans. They were giving it back. It was quality. It just sort of hyped everything else up. And then sort of on the start line, I stumbled a bit, which is annoying. But I just kept doing that last year. I don't know why. Um, my my coach ripped into me about it. But um, as long as I got off the line, it's fine. And then my coach just said, make sure you're on the front front pack don't let them get away from you and I just decided to ignore everything he said <laughs> got my, got myself boxed in and then sort of was running the second lap watching the medals run away from me and I was thinking I need to get out but there was literally no room I, I would have had to push someone over to get out so I was just thinking be patient I've, I've closed well in races my, my race before that i I ran a PB at the BMC 144.6, which was pretty mind-blowing to me at the time because that was just sort of a preparation race. So I knew I was in good shape. And then the gap came and I just thought, I just thought, right, I've got to just get do everything now. I was looking up at the big screen with like 50 metres to go and I thought, right, I've got it. But then when I crossed the line, I was just... It was a weird feeling because I was obviously happy to be the bronze medalist, but I know that... I could have done a lot better had I have, I mean, I might still have got the bronze, but I would have liked to have given myself the chance of getting the gold, whereas I just didn't do that at all. Looking back at that race, Ben, obviously went against coach's orders and you got boxed in. There's a lot of ifs, buts and maybes. And that's the 800 in a nutshell, isn't it? It's at, that, at that speed, the margin of error is so fine. And watching it as a fan sometimes, I'm like, oh, shit. He just got his stride cut and that's his race over or whatever it may be in the race. But looking back at it, you're now a bronze medalist from Commonwealth Games. If I could say to you, go and do that race again, so you know how it's going to pan out and you maybe listen to your coach this time, would you risk losing that bronze for a shot at that gold knowing how that race pans out? Yeah. So basically, you either win or you come fourth. Oh, Oh, that's that's because fourth's horrible, ain't it? I've come fourth a lot of times in my career. I think I'm gonna stick with the bronze because at the end of the day, no one can take that away from me. It's something I've got yeah. for the rest of my career. It's, it's something I kind of at the end of the season I sort of settled down and I thought I've ran one forty four six. I'm the Commonwealth bronze athlete. If 
medalist. If you'd have if you'd have told me this when I was younger that I retired with those credentials, I'd have been happy. And the fact I did that at the age of twenty, like obviously it's annoying that I raced the most important race so badly, but I've got to look back and be happy. You said uh, when you went out to the heats for that championships, you was you was ner- quite nervous, which is not like yourself. Talk us through what what normally goes through your mind when you do walk out to a track race, because I've watched a lot of your races and you're you're real stern faced. Like there's not really much going on, if that makes sense. I mean that with all due respect. Yeah. But you know some some athletes are like really you know animated and smiling or whatever. You're just like dead in the face. So talk us through you know what what goes through your mind generally the, the moments leading into the gum. To be fair, that I think that is just my face a lot of the time anyway. Um, <laughs> a lot of people do say I just look moody. Um, but yeah, I think normally it's just sort of, right, this is it now. You've got, to, you've got to just get on with it. There's no point thinking about the wind, thinking about anyone else. You've just got to get on with it. And it's it's, it's two minutes, hopefully less, of your, of your life. Like, And I always go with the mindset of, it's not the end of the world if it's a bad race, which I think some athletes would think that's negative to think like that. But it means if you if you do then have a bad race, you don't take too much from it because there's always going to be another race. There's always going to be another opportunity to prove the shape you're in, which is a good thing with athletics. Um, yeah, that's but, that, that, that's great, mate. I like that's really good advice to a lot of younger athletes. I think think a lot of athletes can be quite self-sabotaging in, in, in they've had a bad race and then it's like the world is going to end yeah, yeah. so there meters ben we mentioned earlier about how important the tactics are and one wrong move or one occurrence can ruin your race how do you approach the strategy and pacing in a competitive field obviously i know it's going to change from from race to race but is there like a sort of fundamentals or non-negotiables that you that you set yourself between you and your coach um, the main thing is I normally get it wrong. Um, that, <laughs> okay. that's sort of the consistent thing, especially, especially a lot in, in the bigger races where there's a lot of athletes. Um, although I've come from a sprint, sprint background, I find it quite hard to get out that first 200, whether it's a mental block or whether it's just my legs need something a bit more. So I've, I've changed in my warm up. I now do a primer. And I feel like that's benefited me quite a lot that I'm now ready to go on the start line. Um, but yeah, it's normally just get out, get involved and then see what you can do. It's never really, I've never really got any specific tactics because every 800 race is different. You can't go in with it saying, oh, this person's going to take it out, sit on them. I mean, it's almost guaranteed when it's max, which is nice. You don't have yeah. to think about tactics too much, but be interesting to see in a bigger race if if they're going to let him do that or not. Um, but yeah, I think you've just got to take every race as it comes. And I, I back myself to make smart decisions quickly, which like, like in that Commonwealth Games final, I did get myself in a bad position, but I did manage to get out of it. And very often I do manage to get out of it. Um, it's something I've, I definitely struggle with having moved to 800s after after a background of sprint so I don't have as many years of experience as some of the other athletes but I'm definitely learning like I've I've, I've been to a lot of the age group comps which are very different I've now this has probably been my first proper year 
racing around Europe where I've had I've ran one forty five every way possible this year. Um, which has been frustrating, but also it's been a promising, promising season. Yeah, I think those age group championships, a lot of people forget about them, but I think they're such high, high pressure environments. I think they set you up nicely, um, especially, and that's why they're part of the, the pathway to to the senior ranks. And we see so many great juniors that eventually make the ranks. So, world champs, Budapest, it's on the horizon. You've you've made the teams, great season to this point. Where are you currently at with your preparations, and, and what what does training look like at this point? You know, you're literally on your doorstep now. Yeah, so this week just gone. I wanted to sort of get back in a bigger bigger mileage week, some longer sessions, some longer runs, um, and it ended up being my biggest week since like before the 2022 season because obviously I missed a lot of winter so I didn't manage to get many miles in this year um, but I feel like my body before rest day my body was hurting but rest day was good on Friday I definitely needed and I had a very good session on Saturday it's one of my probably best sessions I've ever done it was more of a 15 base session I sometimes struggle with that quite a bit even though I do do a lot of that kind of 15 work um, but I did it in trainers and I, I was hitting times quicker than what I would normally hit. So I've got to be happy with that. Um, but yeah, now it's sort of, it's weird because you come on these holding camps, training camps for a specific competition and you think, oh, I need to work harder. I need to, I need to get myself in this shape. But at the end of the day, I need to think I've just ran 144-0. I'm in the best shape of my life. It's more about getting to the start line without the fatigue in my legs, without being injured, because I am in the shape, rather than pushing it too much and then running badly because I've I've worked too hard, I've tried to do too much. It's, it's hard to get your head around, but it's good that I've had sort of three and a half weeks to, to get it so I can push myself for the week just gone and now I'll sort of have a, probably two more tough sessions and then start to wind down. And during that time, then where you're starting to wind down and really home in on on the games, and I'm sure at some point, the only thing you'll be able to think about is the world champs. Right now, you're thinking, right, get that big week done, and then do this next week, do this session. When you do get into that point where, right, it's world champs on my mind, and nothing else is going on, how do you how do you mentally prepare yourself for the big stages? It's, uh, I, I don't feel like I have to mentally prepare because it's something I want to do. Like last year, I didn't make the team, and I was gutted to be there watching it on TV. Um, so I've, I think I've just got to go with the mindset of this is what I've always wanted. So there's no point getting nervous because I've put this on myself. I've done the work to get here, and like this is the opportunity I want to show the world what I can do. So it's it's just not sort of a try and avoid thinking about it. It's more this is it, try and try and live in the moment almost because I, I might never make a, a senior team again. This is how the sport works. So I think you have to enjoy it while you're there. And that's something, looking back at last year, I don't think I did too well with obviously commies and Euros. I was more of just, right, let's just try and get this race done. Whereas this time around, I want to enjoy the process a lot more and try and learn from other people that are there 
try and get some tips about how to prepare and, and British Athletics are really good with that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking forward to it more than anything rather than, obviously I will get nervous probably the night before I'll be in bed thinking about it, but at the end of the day, I, I know I'm good enough to make that final and then do what I do what I want to do from there. So if you're good enough, you're going to get through the rounds. So I need to just go with that mindset. And staying on the topic of, of mindset, Ben, you've said a few things in this interview that's been quite open-minded. I think it's great to hear from the, from such a professional athlete. But if we've got any listeners that maybe are a little bit younger, I mean, you're super young anyway, but maybe even younger, maybe they're in their teenage years and they're going through a tough time and they're running all their jumps or throws or whatever. And maybe they're thinking, do you know what? I don't know how I can get around this challenge obstacle. What bit of advice would you give to those athletes? Um, I kind of touched on it earlier, but you're always going to get another opportunity. Like if if you have one bad race, it doesn't mean you're in bad shape. Again, it's like if you have one good race, it doesn't mean you're automatically in that shape. You need to back it up. So you've got to kind of think about that. If something is going wrong, you need to just move on from it. I sort of give if if that happens, like in Ostrava this year, where I came ninth and I ran one forty six, whatever, and I. I went into that race thinking I was going to run the standard. So that was a bit of a, a bit of a shock to the system, but I sort of gave myself an hour, two hours to sulk about it and moan to whoever would listen. And then I was like, right, I didn't get it then, but I'm still in the shape to run the standard. I need to sort myself out and get on with it. Um, it's quite, it's quite brutal, but I think that's the best way. You've just got to kind of get on with it and, and if it's something like injury, I had, like I mentioned, I had four months out of winter. I kind of went into this year not really expecting much. I kind of just thought I'd use it as a year to go around the circuit, gain some experience, and that would be it. I didn't think I'd be PB and I didn't think I'd be making teams. I didn't think I'd be winning races. Um, so I think I've, I've learned a lot from that you've just got to say, stay positive. It's, it's been my worst preparation for a year and it's it's been my best year to date so I think that's something that people need to think about you can get fit very quickly if you do the right kind of things and if you're smart about it and you said that you've graduated now from university you've got your degree can you share any tips whether they're physical tips or just things that you know you did in in, in your head that to aspiring athletes who are juggling their academics, their training, maybe they've got a job on the side, you know, any tips on just juggling it all? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't the best at juggling it all because I, I just sort of, I, I always go and thinking the, the I can get, I can achieve what I want academically down the line if, if that's what I want to go into. But athletics is a, is a, is a small window career, so... Last year, especially, I kind of focused more on the athletics. But this year, definitely, I've I decided to not split my final year to get it done so I could be a full-time athlete for the Olympic year. So I think it is definitely just find out when things are due and then work back from then because you don't want to be doing uni work when it's or school work, whatever it is, leading up to a big race because it does... You are sitting down, it's not good for you. You are stressing out about it. That's not what you need going into a race or even just a big block of training. It's not healthy. So you need to just 
find out when things are due, work back from them, give yourself plenty of time. And outside of athletics, Ben, what else do you enjoy doing? Do you have any passions or interests, hobbies? I mean, I'm a Reading fan, which is a bit depressing at the moment, but um, we've got the nicest third kit in football this year, so (laughs) so it's fine. It's fine. Um, It's fine. Um, Yeah, it's... I mean, I struggle to go to games these days because obviously training and stuff Saturdays aren't aren't great. But I definitely would like to get to more this year. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's it's I don't really know because I've been smashing out uni for the last three years, and then I've been training hard. So I think it's going to be nice at the end of this season to just sort of sit down and not have anything to do. I think I'm going to enjoy that. I might, I might rep the third kit to a few games. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm definitely going to get on Google and have a look at that after this chat. The third kit Not is where... Yeah, I, I can't wait. I just I saw the Arsenal one come out last week. Was it was some honking kit that was. But then they played in it and it actually looked all right. Ours is called the Purple Turtle. Jesus Christ. Right. God, help, God help Reading. Crikey. Yeah. All right, man. What a chat. That's been absolutely brilliant. So insightful, Ben. I'm going to finish this interview off with... A quick fire round. I've got five questions for you. First thing that pops into your head, just shout it out. You can oh, say absolutely anything you like. Uh, it's all right, mate. Don't worry. We're not we're not scared here. So, if you had a magic wand, what's one thing that you change in athletics? Oh, don't put sixteen people in a race. Oh, mate, we've had that a few times. It's so obvious, ain't it? It's I mean, yeah. I can't complain because often I am one of the race, one of the people getting let in. Last minute. <laughs> You're so the 16. So tough, but I prefer to not be in the race than be in a race with 16 people. And now, obviously, Ben, you're a professional for Adidas. What's the best thing about being a professional athlete? Just sort of being able to go on these camps and not have to worry about the money side of things is nice. And just also the kit, like being able to wear wear a pair of spikes, and then if something does happen to them, I can just get another pair like that. Is it's what you dream about as a kid, just having all the kit, being able to try out all the different shoes rather than just sticking to what you know. Is it is nice, yeah. That's wicked, man. And then the flip side of that, what's the worst thing about being a professional athlete? Probably. I, I don't get it too much, but probably if things were going badly when I was injured, it's more of worrying about am I going to be able to keep my contract like with reductions and stuff like that. It's definitely when you're injured or things aren't going well, definitely something you worry about. But again, you only really have that if you do get the positives of being a pro athlete. So it's all it's all relative. So, next question, Ben. What's a harsh truth that the running world needs to hear? Just get on with it. <laughs> it's only running. It's not that hard. I like that. That's a good mantra. Just just, just crack on. Just get stuck in. All right. Okay. I'll remember that. Love that. And lastly, outside of athletics, so nothing to do with your, your running, in 10 years' time, what's one thing that you would have liked to have achieved in your life? So, when you're 31. Not sure it's an achievement, but go to Australia is definitely high up on something I want to do. Whenever I meet Australian athletes, I just I just ask them so many questions. I'm definitely so annoying, 
my go-to is like, what's the most dangerous thing you've ever seen? Oh, Christ, yeah, man. I get they asked never, that. They never tell me like some mad spider or a shark, but one day hopefully someone will, but that's definitely something I want to do, yeah. Well, mate, if it makes you feel better, I lived there for a year, and on my last day in in Sydney, I was um, I was in my flat, um, I was in my house, and my housemate screamed, and I went outside to the laundry little room thing in the shed, and the size of this spider, mate, was the size of your head. I wow. kid you not. Oh my days! I had to go get my other housemate and say, like, you got to do something about this because I can't handle this. Yeah. We ended up getting a can of deodorant and a lighter. To like flamethrower it, so we've so we've torched it, and it just it just walked off. It just shrugged it off and walked off. I've honest, and then I left the country, and I never went back. Yeah, fair. It's, it is a bit scary over there, isn't it? But I feel like it's something you've got to do at some point. Yeah, it's a wicked, it's a wicked country, and the running scene's really like underrated. I think I think it's really yeah. popping off, especially um, you see, well, a lot of Australian middle distance runners are absolutely popping off at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Ben, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. I'm I'm buzzing to see you at the World Champs this season. Um, best of luck for it. And uh, yeah, keep in touch, mate, and we'll see you down the road. Yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Ben. Cheers, mate. Right, we're just going to clip that then. Give me one second. I'm All just right. going to do our outro and then I will stop recording. Right. Thank you for joining us this week for another episode of The Running Podcast. This is where we talk about all things running, the highs, the lows, the ugly bits, and everything in between. Big shout out to our guest, Ben Patterson, for his time on the show today. And if you have enjoyed today's listen, please do leave us a review and head over to our Instagram, at Trackster, to keep up to date with what we're up to. World Champs in Budapest is just around the corner. I've been Lloyd, your host for the day. I'll catch you down the road for a run and a chat. But in the meantime, have a great week, runners. Gosh.